Hey, welcome to the Afikra Podcast. My name is Mikey Mhenna. Today's episode is another in the series about radical futures that we are doing in collaboration with Tasmim, the design conference for VCU Qatar. Today's episode is about the future of education, and we have two educators who are talking to us about it. The first is Dana Abdullah, and the second is Haytham Nawar. I hope you enjoy the conversation. This was a lot of fun, very deep, but also very light. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, I'm going to start with my little intro because I'm very anxious to, to make sure we have as much time as possible for the conversation. Welcome, everybody. My name is Mikey Mhenna. I'm going to ask uh, Diane, one of the co-directors of the Tasmeem Festival, to unmute herself. Okay, so you want to tell everybody a little bit about the festival? Yes, thank you so much, Mikey. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Diane Durr. I'm one of the four directors of Tasmeem Doha 2022 Radical Futures. On behalf of my co-directors, Basma Hamdi, Dr. Daniel Imans, and Mesa Almumen, I would like to express just how honored and excited we are for this collaboration with Afikra. Together, we have designed a series of conversations leading to Tasmeem 2022 this coming March, touching on topics that range from the future of language, the future of the Arab image, the future of food, and the future of education, a conversation that we are really looking forward to diving into today, with these two leading figures in art and design, Dr. Haytham Noir and Dr. Donna Abdullah. A bit about Tasmeem. Tasmeem Doha is an international biennial art and design conference that's hosted and organized by VCU Arts Qatar since 2004. Each edition of Tasmeem Doha highlights a unique and contemporary theme within art and design, exploring novel concepts, methods, applications, and engaging in critical discussions. The event is open to the public with attendees and participants consisting of international designers, artists, academics, students, industry professionals, and the local community. The 2022 conference, Radical Futures, addresses the role of design in shaping the future. The event is an inclusive and multifaceted view of the future, one that not only speculates on technological advancements, but on future threats and changes whether environmental, geographic, cultural, or social. And with that, I will hand it back over to you, Mikey. Thanks so much. Perfect. Okay, great. Perfect introduction to the, the conference. So welcome to another podcast uh, focus on uh, the future of education. Our two guests are Haytham uh, Nawar, who is an educator, an artist, a designer, scholar. He's the chair of the Department of uh, the Arts at the American University of Cairo, and he's the founder and director of Cairotronica, a festival of electronic and new media arts in Cairo. Haytham, welcome. And then we have also Dana Abdullah, who is a designer, educator, and researcher interested in new narratives and practices in design that push the disciplinary boundaries and definitions of the discipline. In her current role as program director of graphic design at Camberwell, Chelsea, and Wimbledon College of Arts, University of the Arts, London, Dana is exposed to many, many students on a constant basis. And is, I'm absolutely uh, thrilled that you're here. It's funny. I'm going to welcome both of you officially. Thank you so much for joining the, the call. The reason why I'm sort of stumbling is because both of you are unbelievably productive. Your bios are extremely long. Let's just start by saying, how do you have the time to do all of these things? Donna, let's start with you. Well, I think I'm blessed with this um thing I've inherited from my mother is this incredible amount of energy. I guess I have more energy than a four-year-old. I kind of subscribe to the idea that if you 
if you're interested in something, you make time for it. Yeah. Hey, then what about you? Have you always been doing a million different projects at the same time? First, I'm happy that you asked Dana first, so I can have the time to think about the answer. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a good answer. I think I have a good answer. Now, honestly speaking, uh, first of all, you know, you see Hi Sam, and you, then you read the maybe the, the American University in Cairo, Kyotronica, or many other stuff. But I mean, of course, it's not Hi Sam. It's a collaborative work. It's a teamwork. I have many people that work with me. It's not Hi Sam. Uh, that's first. Se secondly. I will agree with Dana when you always like things, you will always afford the time. Okay, so with that, I want to talk about the title of today's sort of roundtable that we have going on, which is the future of education, and specifically sort of the future of education of design. These titles are always so open-ended that they could be, they could mean anything, but I, I'd like to just back up and start with the past of education. So as somebody who never studied design, how was design taught? And I'll start, Haytham, I'll start with you, just because you are one of the two authors of <laughs> the seminal book, The History of Arab Graphic Design. How have designers been taught design in the region for the last like 100 years or so? So I lost my privilege. Now I would have to answer before then. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> on this no, no, I mean, from my experience, which again, I would, I would really refer to the book, is uh, uh, the, the, the history of, of design education is the history of art education. So there is no design education in the early, late 19th century, early 20th century. It was more about art education and uh, of course in different disciplines within the art field. And then some of them, because of the need for, the need to live, they were looking for commission jobs. So commission jobs, which is related mostly to maybe a little bit of interior design, uh, uh, sign design. Um, and um, of course, many of them, they will go for the publishing industry, newspapers, magazines. So they work in uh, layout, which they call it art direction. They work in like illustrations. They, they work on uh, 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 cartoons and stuff like that. So that's, so it's learning by practice, not really by education. Yeah. Just like Dan, I see you sort of nodding your head as somebody who didn't study this stuff. Can you, I mean, can you help me understand the difference or the effects of what Haysom just said, right? The implications, which is that the, the education of design is basically born out of the education of art. You're sort of seeing this shift in what a designer does in the past 20 years and because um, <clears throat> there's a lot of people calling for design to be removed from the art schools, mainly because it's sort of, uh, people see it as a more functional bit of art. And so it's largely, you know, you have students coming in thinking design is about, is about personal expression when it's not. Um, you always have a sort of, for lack of a better word, user involved in, in what you're creating. And so with this sort of, um, marriage, I guess, between design. Of course, there's a lot of similarities between it, between design and art, but there's a lot of differences. Um, and that's not saying that art is, is purely about personal expression, but if we think about what the problems are, again, lack of a better framing, sure. talking about design as problem solving, um, is the fact that what we were doing 20 years ago in those jobs don't ne aren't necessarily the main jobs that designers have now. And so if you think of graphic design, which is uh, the area that I'm most involved in, um, is you are developing user interfaces for, for things that we engage with on a daily basis 
that um, largely affect people's lives. They affect their mental health. They affect, you know, they make them kind of um, purchase more. They have all these dark patterns, things like that. So you're not necessarily just creating um, visuals for something. You are shaping ways of being. And that idea of, uh, of how design has moved, I don't think that schools have necessarily caught up with it. And it is also because a lot of design programs are still in art and design schools. Um, and in the case of, say, some of the, the design school that I work in, uh, fine art was always kind of the main, the main core and the design kind of came as secondary. Um, mm. So that, I think, is the main implication. It's also just seen as, the, uh, as very much about uh, serving a client rather than seeing design that goes into a variety of industries um, as we're seeing it now and, and in the past 20 years. I want to talk about professional standards. Both of you educate designers and it's like a superpower in, in a way, right? When you educate somebody, you enable them. Um, are there limitations and sort of, are there like, uh, is there a context of professionalism in which you encourage your students to say, solve only problems that you can really wrap your head around or that you even should be solving? Make yourself small back out of the room and let somebody who actually knows what they're talking about and is in, impacted by those problems, let them solve it. Is there like an, even a context in which this question makes sense? I think this is where maybe you would, you know, obviously because a, a designer can't possibly solve everything because there's yeah. always other people involved. So how do they begin to create collaborations with people who speak, who are from very different disciplines than them and how they begin to communicate with them in order to get to one possible one one solution amongst amongst many possible solutions is, is how I like to think of, of design. I don't like to think of it as a just there's one solution because if there's one solution, then you say that that's the only solution to something, and there's no other possibility for it to be solved. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think that where this comes in is usually in terms of context. There's a lot of this work where. Um, students want to work, they'll basically say, oh, I want to work on this in, in Africa, as though Africa is a country. Yeah, this is what I mean. Yeah, and, and so this is a big problem. Yes, I will definitely say, you know, what, that's when you have a, that's when you do talk to them and say, okay, what is the context in which you are based? Um, what communities are closest to you? What interests you? So th that's definitely something that I would uh, step in and say, no, that's not a context that you want to work in. Um, mm -hmm. Because actually, if we're looking at London, um, there's there's a lot of problems to be solved here. And I think students tend to always look outward as if here is this, just this perfect space. Uh, we're seeing a little bit less of that. I think there's more kind of awareness. Um, but for me, design is, is always a contextually based practice. And so it's important that students deal with the where they are then and now. I mean, even in the location of the university is its own context. So I prefer that they do work within that, say, constraint. Yeah. Uh, hey, Sam, do you feel like um, this idea of locally centric design education, which Donna, you've worked on, I, I was curious to see, uh, hey, Sam, in your context, do you feel like the, the students who come through your doors and leave, do you feel like you're preparing them specifically to work in a local context? Or is the education that you're hoping to equip them with to say, hey, go out to other contexts, go to Brussels, go to uh, Ghana, go to Dubai, go to uh, Rome, go to Singapore. 
you're equipped to be a designer anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really like pointing them to site specific, like geographically speaking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is, <laughs> like, but, but there isn't the go to Ghana course. <laughs> no, <laughs> Brazil, maybe Argentina, you know, but not that close. Uh, no, I'm just uh, really uh, because I teach at this semester, for, exa for example, speculative design, which is more, which going back to the Dennis, and so it's more really about the process. But and and of course, when when I really like uh, where I said like not really pointing them geographically speaking, but maybe regionally. So sometimes uh, we look. Uh, I really I don't want to say force them, but at least highlight uh, regional problems. Uh, of course, with my 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 historical background, like as a, as somebody who wrote in, in history, which is very much interested in in. Uh, oh, you mentioned the book. I will tell it. Talk about it later, but. But that, that um, I could say, like, think from inside to outside. I mean, we are living in Cairo, a city was 1,000 years old. And then you live in Egypt, which is 1,000 years old. And then you have the oldest labeled identities. We you have being an Arab, being a Muslim, being a, a Copt, and then you go a little bit Mediterranean, maybe African, uh, uh, and then... Those are questions. What does it mean? These questions to you as as an individual in this community, and then I don't really prevent them of thinking about global problems, like like as a human beings. There is problems global warming. If somebody comes to me with a global warming and uh, as a problem, and he would like to have a project to to solve the global, warming, I, will, I will not say no. But at the same time, there was much more to work here, which nobody is working on. So. No, I, I keep it open to the students, but always I raise questions during my, like the teaching process about what really all this uh, uh, surrounding means to you. What about you, Donna? I'm curious, uh, are you, I guess the same question for you, because I'm curious how you approach this. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like Haytham was saying, you don't, you don't say no if, you're, if, if someone is looking at the climate emergency. Um, I mean, you could look at that. It is a very global thing, but then mm -hmm. you want to kind of narrow down on something. Um, and that's what is important for students to know is that you can't look at something and I'm going to solve global warming for the entire universe. Right. How do you kind of get them to narrow down the subject that they're looking at? Maybe they're looking at one particular thing that is possibly particular to London or the UK or maybe yeah. even where they come from. Um, because everything is connected, like a lot of these issues are global issues, but to, to solve something, you need to be kind of, you need to be in that context in order to understand it fully. So you are looking at a global problem, but let's narrow that down and look at it from a, from a local perspective. Uh, so I think that's where, that's, what's important for educators to do is that how do you actually make this project manageable rather than the students could lose themselves into kind of trying to tackle something that is almost impossible and then just give up. The, the sort of broader crisis of edu uh, edu design education, um, I wanna drill down a little more to understand what are some of the forces that are creating that crisis? Is there a way to sort of resolve those, those forces and what is the sort of path forward? Oof, well, this is... Uh... <laughs> Big question. Big question. Big question. <laughs> yeah, sure. Go for it. Uh, well, I think the, I'll focus on something 
really small, which is that we yeah. need to start accepting the problems that we deal with now are very different from what we dealt with when these programs, and I'm speaking very much from the context in which I am based, which is the United Kingdom, mm -hmm. um, and I guess with European and North American design education, which is quite similar, uh, is that we have to stop focusing on, on thinking that design that was created you know, 100 years ago in terms of, and it, it found its place in the academy is still applicable to what we're doing today. Uh, because I mean, although, I mean, this is quite controversial. I think it's it's really great that students learn screen printing and they learn letterpress and they learn, um, you know, all these older practices that we don't long, we no longer use them anymore. You know, you use them for aesthetic purposes. Like if you're going to use letterpress, for example, but there is a big focus on that versus things that are extremely important, such as how we're dealing with digital interfaces, um, how we're tackling uh, the kind of consequences of what it is that we make and how we think deeper about what we make and also design expanding beyond the agency in the studio. Um, so those are the types of things that I'm interested in uh, right now. Um, I think we're a bit too nostalgic for these old practices. I, I can't tell you how many people still wanna work in editorial, and I find that really, really fascinating because there isn't that many jobs in editorial anymore, right? But we're still, we're still dealing with that in this day and age. Um, and so that's what I would focus on. Now, of course, I could probably talk for hours about this, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let Haytham um, give his take. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, again, it's the, I mean, the program where I teach now is the, at the American University. Uh, I have great colleagues, um, mostly you know all of them, Bahia, Dalia, Ahmad, Jochen, Nagla. And those, we have a vision, which say, it's collective vision. I, again, I'm not going to talk about individually because we do all this together. And from our approach, we when we started this program is is really the the idea of interdisciplinarity in design, and open up, open the eyes for different practices in design, in with a certain extent for sure, and then uh, and, and let them um, and, and focus so much about the process itself more than the final outcome, which is part of the problem solving, and. Uh, getting them really so much engaged in the community with social uh, aspects, especially like getting into the, the community. Because again, we have students of the American University in Cairo, which somehow is like privileged students. So, and then look at things also from a perspective of partnerships, look working with different institutions, other NGOs or private institutions or academic institutions like other universities, and then give them uh, exposure like to again uh, one is a global context secondly is the community itself and uh, um, actually here which is very interesting to hear from Dana that it's the opposite my, my students like that they are more interested in digital uh, more than traditional so and uh, uh, we try uh, to balance both and then again, like give them the opportunity to choose because there still there is market for editorial design in the Arab world, which is, is different than, than in Europe and in the US. And uh, but we try to balance between the traditional techniques which used in design and then give them more of the interactive uh, media design. 
And uh, yeah, that's what we try to do as a program uh, so far, not really. Uh, and again, it's, it's a challenge because it's, a, again, it's a, American University in Cairo is a privileged university, but we try to work with state universities and again, other universities so we can have more collaborative work. And uh, I'm, I'm with the idea again of de-schooling and I'm telling them what you learn is, is really just, it's just guidance. What you will learn outside of this institution is much more than what you will learn from us. We are just here to hopefully to guide you, but not really to teach you. I'm gonna ask you both a question that may seem counterintuitive. Does the world need more designers? No. <laughs> So expound on that. I, I would just say, yes, need problem solvers, not designers. Creatively, again, creative problem solvers, not necessarily with the term designers. I don't know. I think it, it's, becoming, it's becoming a bit of a factory, if I'm honest. Look, I think the world always needs more design. The world is terribly designed, right? But it doesn't need more bad designers for personal expression. Do you see what I mean? I right. think that's... I'm happy for more people to engage in design because I think it's 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 a valuable way of thinking for you know people who again won't become designers. Um, but I think with the numbers that you're seeing in universities, schools everywhere, it's there's a lot of demand for design, which I think is is great. But I think that you know it's it's being taken to taken advantage of and just become this factory. Um, the other thing is is that with design, it's such a vast, uh, it's now kind of covering different industries. And so if we start to look at it that, it, that you could work as a designer or apply the way, the ways of design, again, for lack of a better word, design thinking, because that's been kind of hijacked by a specific yeah. uh, space, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, is that these that's applicable to different industries and could possibly make the world more interesting, more interesting way of approaching different problems. Um, like Haytham is saying, is creative problem solvers to think differently about things rather than in a very sort of, you know, typical way, I can't solve something, I'm not going to kind of carry on forward. Okay, I hate to do this, but we have to get to the rapid fire questions and then we're gonna open it up uh, to everybody. To both of you, maybe we'll start with Dana then Haysom. Uh, what are you reading or watching right now? No judgment. All About Love by Bell Hooks. Okay, interesting. Haysom? I, I have, I'm working for a research about Nasser, so I read uh, a book called uh, Nasser in the imaginary, in the Egyptian imaginary. Mm. Also, I read another book which uh, related to the speculative design course where I teach what's called uh, Design for Different Futures. And uh, it's about uh, different practices, about the artists and designers using speculative design as a method. That's great. I, Donna, I hope you feel sufficiently shamed. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to give you the list because it's just <laughs> like hate them. I always only read four books at the same time, but most of them are just boring and dull. So I just pick the one that most people will be like, okay, I could probably read that. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, who would you love, Donna? We'll start with you again. Who would you love to shadow for a day past or present? I'm going to pick two people, Edward Said and George Habash. Interesting. Haysom? I have it a little bit more very personal, which is, uh, I will start with my, my father, uh, God bless his soul, that 
I always wanted to uh, to really uh, shadow him, and uh, I'm more in his life. But now, actually, I'm more curious to shadow him in his afterlife. Like, I really, I would love to be there with him. Beautiful. Dana, what do people most misunderstand about your work? That it's grounded in cynicism and has no applicability to the real world. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Haysom? Uh, I, I really, I was trying to think what, it, uh, because defining people like audience, because from my experience, when I, my early artwork, artwork, which is mostly uh, like really classical prints or drawings or, and always when, and, and there was also photography and screen prints and stuff like that, but it was always with a social problem. And I always, yeah. when I, and I, and I work I also, mostly with, with what I call them unseen people within our community. So I did a project about the, the porters, Shayalin and the railway station in Egypt. I did a project about the blind people, applied com, blind com, community in Egypt. But always when I am starting a project, working on it, I'm always attacked and people not getting it until I spend time and more time and time. And then they start to really understand what they want to do. So I, I don't know if it's more, it, it's, um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel it just with the way how I look like. I, I don't yeah. have any <laughs> explanation why people, they start aggressively when they see me, when they start the conversation, they start working about, about things. And then once we, we, we have a longer time together, conversation, and then, then it thinks gets better this time. Great. Hey, Sam, Dana, thank you so much for sharing your your time and your perspective with us. As we all said, this could have a this could be a a ten hour week year conversation. Um, and so, thanks for doing the work that you're doing and for shedding light on what you've been thinking about. Thank you very much for inviting us. Yeah. All right, everybody, enjoy your night or day wherever you are. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikra.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks.